You're listening to episode 13 with the president of Blue Drop, Alan Heyman. Hi, this is Tom Ferguson, VP of Programming for Imagine H2O. This is the podcast that is revolutionizing the way the water industry communicates to the public. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shepley. We're dedicated to sharing stories that demonstrate how communication and collaboration move things forward. If you want to overcome your challenges, then you have to build relationships. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or resource to give you the tools to curate connections with your customers that create impact. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash water in real life and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash forward slash water in real life. We're so excited today that we got to speak with Alan Heyman, president of Blue Drop, and we got to talk to him about some of our favorite topics being leadership, branding, and communication. And some of the top takeaways from our conversation today are that utilities may not be competing for market share, but they are competing for mind share, and that it's more important now more than ever to be creating leadership opportunities for the next generation of emerging leaders and how we as communicators, both inside and outside of utility, can be working together to duplicate products and not efforts. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Alan Heyman is president of Blue Drop and the chief marketing officer of BC Water. Blue Drop is the nonprofit arm of BC Water. Alan led the team that conceived, planned, and launched Blue Drop in November 2016. At DC Water, Allen led utilities effort to expand its revenue base by marketing products and services to new customers. Earlier in his career, Allen was a television reporter, producer, and anchor in his native Illinois. He has previously served as vice president of communications for a large global advocacy organization and also served as chief of external affairs for DC Water from 2013, um, from 2013. I'm sorry, from 2010 to 2013. So we're incredibly excited to have Alan with us this morning. Um, We've been huge Blue Drop fans since we heard about you guys. And so uh, we're super excited to um, to have this conversation and um, to um, talk about stuff like branding with with. The CMO of DC Water. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. being with us. I'm so happy to be here. What a great pleasure to spend a little bit of my day with a dynamic duo of water down there. <laughs> yes. Shout out. We'll take it. Um, so just to give a little a little background on how we met Alan, we actually Alan is just another one of the amazing people that we met in the Twitter sphere. And um, we uh Twitter has this weird way of connecting people from all over the place. And he reached out to us via Twitter and said, let me tell you, let me tell you guys about this blue drop thing. And of course we knew who blue drop was because we were fans of the Hawk, AKA George Hawkins. And so he had been talking about it. And so we knew what it was. And so we actually drove down from Fort Worth to Austin to hang out with Alan for an hour or so. We probably kept you a little longer than an hour because we were so <laughs> excited. 
uh, in a coffee shop in Austin because you guys were there speaking at a conference at the time. And I know it had to have looked crazy to everyone else that was that was there because there were these two very excited, animated, animated girls and uh, women, young ladies. And Alan is so like composed and so like succinct and so like he can just like say that. I mean, it was a great conversation, but I know we probably look like these two crazy ladies going crazy. We were so um, Caffeine wasn't even necessary. It was naturally mm, there to begin. It's yes, and always. Was, love we it. added caffeine to the mix, so it was just it was that much more. So, um, but you've been making the podcast circuit. We've been happy to see, and um, you Blue Drop is the nonprofit arm of DC Water. Uh, for us, we just feel like you're sort of the household name in our industry. But you know, there may be a few people out there that. Um, I don't know, who have lived under rocks for a few years or something and may not be familiar with you, but can you give us a, a quick rundown sort of who Blue Drop is and what they offer and maybe just like a, a scotch of your origin story? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be happy to. And uh, I, I credit both of you for being early members of the uh, Small But Growing Blue Drop fan club. Yay! Uh, <laughs> yes. So you mentioned in your introduction that Blue Drop was launched in November 2016. Uh, we decided at DC Water to create a small, separate, uh, nimble startup company to market some products and services on behalf of a larger utility. Uh, the idea being we could focus on it. If we were separate, uh, we could perhaps do business a little bit more nimbly than large governmental organizations are known for doing. Uh, and we focused initially on consulting for other utilities. <coughs> Excuse me. We focused initially on consulting for other utilities and the focus for the service offering was stakeholder engagement, external affairs, communications, the things that DC Water really became known for over most of the last decade in the sector. How do you connect with your customers better and why? Uh, what we found was that these were lessons we learned on our own journey in connecting with our own customers, but they were easily applicable to other utilities. And we were getting requests on a fairly regular basis. Can you talk to me for an hour about how you did this? Can you come to the conference and speak about that? Uh, so we knew there was some demand out there, especially among the smaller utilities that have a desire, that have a need, uh, but maybe not the funds to build a giant external affairs operation like we were you know, privileged enough to do at DC Water. So that was one side of the business. And the other side of the business is actually a product. We sell the Class A exceptional quality uh, biosolids produced at Blue Plains uh, that DC Water has called Bloom. You can visit bloomsoil.com. And uh, we just got the product into the retail market in bags for the first time this year, which is a huge uh, accomplishment for a program that's only been around for a little while. Uh, we're in bags, we're in the hardware store, you can buy it. And uh, it is something that is small but strong and growing. So I've got a small team of folks here at Blue Drop who are made up uh, primarily of people who, like me, work a little bit for DC Water and a little bit for Blue Drop. Uh, but we've also got two folks who are exclusively on the Blue Drop side and don't have any kind of an employment connection or history with DC Water. Uh, so that is us. We are housed in the former payment office of DC Water, where you used to, uh, up until a couple of years ago, uh, be able to walk in and pay your bill in person. <laughs> don't get people on a regular basis trying to do that every day, uh, which is why we keep the doors together locked just in case. I have no tellers in my employee here. Uh, but we're going to be moving 
in September 2018 to a space uh, in a slightly different part of town that I think will be a little bit more suitable to uh, what we're doing. Very cool. cool. And I just have to give Bloom a shout out to um, me and Arianne are super fans all the way around that we actually just did a wastewater treatment plant tour and they have a biosolids program that they're working on expanding out and we're like, have you guys heard about Bloom? <laughs> so we're always, that's kind of, they're, you guys are kind of like the first people that come to mind whenever we hear about any sort of biosolids program. And we're always trying to, um, we always kind of shine a light on that. And so, and I had really good questions to ask because I had done, you know, we had looked into what Bloom was. And so I was like, are you class one or class two? But, you know, just so it was, it was really cool being able to um, hear about, the new biosolids programs that are popping up across um, across the country. I'm ready for you to start shipping some to Texas because I'm there ready to. Go. Yeah, there you go. Got some biosolids somewhere in Texas. <laughs> we, you know, we were encouraged. We're we're standing on some pretty big shoulders with this stuff. It's a new idea for DC Water. It's a new idea for Mid Atlantic. Uh, but you know, Milwaukee has been selling malorganite for more than 90 years, and they're nation. You can go into a hardware store in DC and buy malorganite. Uh, so a previous board chair kind of laid down the challenge to us. Why can't we buy Bloom in that same store? Uh, at some point, pretty soon, you will, you will be able to do that. And uh, yeah, Milwaukee's got a great program. They're selling almost everything that they make. There are programs in uh, Seattle, Washington, and Tacoma, Washington, uh, and various parts of the country. And it's, uh, it's an emerging field. I think people are realizing that this is something that you can use. Uh, the plants love it, and it's certainly available in abundant supply, and it is, as I, I say every time I talk about Bloom, it is the very <laughs> definition of a locally made product. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Grow local. Like, oh, great. I'm glad that you gave a shout out to, um, to, to the other people out there that have been doing it before yeah. or are doing it right now. That's, that's, a, that's great information to get out there because, you know, if you just, if you don't know, you don't know. So I'm glad to hear that. It's been going on for a while. That's not my area of expertise. Like Ariane may know more because she's kind of. I mean, I like the poo. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's into the whole like ag world, and so she probably knew that, but I definitely am not. So I did not know that. But so thank you for sharing that. And Alan, you know, we're over the moon about being Blue Drop partners. Um, it's an honor to be, you know, in that realm of uh, expertise, um, and we're passionate about tribal collaboration. So one of our favorite things about Blue Drop is that you've used this idea to help Blue Drop scale. Can you talk a little bit about these partnerships and how you weave them into the Blue Drop business model? Absolutely, I can. There is a built-in limitation of using uh, a small internal staff and then the experts at a large, busy water utility as your consulting group. They don't have a lot of time. These are busy people who have day jobs. If they're interested in doing the consulting, which not everybody is, odds are they will only be able to do it a little bit. I'm privileged enough to have Blue Drop as my main focus, and I've got a couple others who do that. But if you are an expert in customer service or in social media uh, or in graphic design, uh, there's only but so much capacity you have to spare. And we are based in DC. So we don't have the ability to deploy a team of consultants across the country for an extended period of time. And one of our selling points actually for our customers is we will keep your costs low by going in, assessing, interviewing, workshopping, taking the temperature, and then we come back home and sort of process everything and give you our, our conclusions that you can then take and run with. 
But what gives us reach across the country beyond the Mid-Atlantic is working with partners like Rogue Water. So we don't have to be in, yes, we don't have to be in Texas all the time. We don't have to be in the Western United States all the time. We can reach out. Uh, and, and no surprise at all that there's a small community of like-minded people out there doing this kind of work who are focused on water communications, who get the idea that we need to be in our customers' lives more often than when we send the bill. Um, and so developing those relationships was actually a pretty quick thing because we kind of found each other, uh, either through Twitter or otherwise. And uh, it, it's great to be able to do. It gives us reach. It gives us the ability to, uh, to lift many boats at the same time. Yeah, and you've actually created this amazing, amazing little sub-tribe, too, of, of the Blue Drop Partners, because that's the reason that we know Megan U. Schneider out in California was because of her relationship with you. And we're like, oh, she's a Blue Drop Partner? Then we need to know who she is. And so we got to meet her at the utilities management conference and then and then recently um han han um no, communications gonna, yeah. we just um sapna mulkey with them we you know she told us and she's like i'm a blue job partner i don't know it's like you've created this little this little um team we're like team blue job so it's been really cool for us on that side to to have that camaraderie with people from yeah. that we for other reasons wouldn't have even known so Shout out for that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's excellent. I, I would love to hear stories about you know you all doing projects together, either that involve Blue Drop or don't. So uh, far, we're doing high fives great. and and lots of yeah. you know so phone far, conversations. It's a lot of like <laughs> a lot of like woo and go team and like high fives and, and we that, can do I mean, this. Megan was a speaker at the Catalyst, yeah. uh, the Catalyst Summit that we held in June. That was a great success, but. Um, yeah, we're excited about being able to work on projects together, and those mm -hmm. are definitely things that we're we're brainstorming too. So, Team Blue Job, it's a great, it's a joy to be a part of. <laughs> um, so, kind of along the same lines of uh, the same theme of collaboration, uh, we got to see Blue Drop and DC Water. You guys kind of teamed up together to uh, put on a workshop, pre-conference workshop at the last Utilities Management Conference. Um, and it was great. It was fantastic. And it was really, you hear all these things about DC Water. We'd obviously had heard George speak, but, and we'd met you, but we, and Kim, but we had never seen the rest of the team in action. So it was really, um, it was a really great experience to do that. And workshops are kind of y'all's jam. So, and that's something that you offer to communities that typically don't get exposure to that, such as the rural communities. So can you talk to us a little about a little bit about some of the workshops that you do offer for those communities? Absolutely. And it's an emerging area of practice for us. Uh, but what we've found is sometimes uh, a utility uh, or a municipality in a small community might need an intensive day or a day and a half of work. And can be as simple as you have people coming from far-flung places who are not together very often, who need a little bit of a boost, who need a little bit of a facilitation. Um, Blue Drop knows how to do a lot of things. We have expertise in communications, customer service, etc. cetera, uh, but we also help bring out the expertise of others when we run a workshop. So we specialize in helping people create things together. We can do the mission statement. We can do the elevator pitch. We can do the focus of the entire team for a year where everybody has similar thoughts and ideas, but they haven't been able to make them gel together. So uh, I like the kind of workshops where I get to talk a little bit, listen a lot, 
and where I'm walking around the room, hearing what people have to say to each other, and where everybody comes out of the engagement with a sense that they created something together rather than they hired the guy from DC to come talk at them for eight hours. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a special experience. I can do that if they want me to, but it's not, you know, it's not what I prefer to do. Uh, so we, we, we have the service, it's available, we can do it in any part of the country. And, and the nice thing about it is, uh, you know, they're, they're self-contained. So workshops are, are, you know, they require some preparation, some research, you gotta know your audience, you have to know the client. Uh, but as far as what it takes to put together a full-scale consulting engagement, uh, getting ready for a workshop is something we can deliver much more quickly. Awesome. And I love to see that that's something that you guys are creating opportunity for rural communities because, you know, a lot of times, like you said, they don't, they don't get exposed to that kind of, to that level of expertise or to that, um, like they need kind of that sense of camaraderie and that we're all team water and that we're all coming together. So I really love that you guys are creating the opportunity for them to get uh, the same kind of, the same kind of workshop that you would get in, in the big city, you know? So mm -hmm. I love that you guys are creating that opportunity for them. Yeah. Um, so of course we can't talk to the chief marketing officer of BC Water and not talk to you about one of our favorite topics, which is branding. Um, rebranding efforts are a service that you all offer through Blue Drop. And one thing that we found in our experience is that sometimes utilities don't really see their entity or their organization as a brand. Um, how does Blue Drop frame that brand narrative for water utilities that really helps them see the value in cultivating that brand? This might be my favorite question. I haven't heard the rest of the questions yet. This, this could be the favorite one. I, I have branding pretty much on the brain at the moment because I just got back from vacation. And one of the things I did on my vacation was I took my nine-year-old daughter to the world of Coca-Cola in Atlanta. And this, I have to tell you, is a remarkable experience because you have hundreds of people standing in line together to pay $15, $20 to spend several hours being taken through a marketing and branding exercise. This is amazing stuff, you guys. This is amazing. And from the moment you walk in the door, it is a very controlled experience. You have a sense that you are being kind of emotionally manipulated a little bit through your exposure to this brand. Uh, but you're, you know, you're spending hours kind of feeling the love for Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola is probably the most valuable brand in the world. I know they've done studies on this. It's irreplaceable, everybody knows it worldwide, doesn't matter where you come from, what country, what age, um, and, and they, they get this stuff. And it was three hours of me sort of being a parent, but also being a marketing guy and watching how brilliantly they do all of that. And it applies to us. And when I give talks about branding, I mention Coca-Cola because we don't have a Coke versus Pepsi issue in the water sector. We do not have, in many cases or most cases, competition. We're not competing for market share. And we're also, by the way, not selling sugary fizzy water. What we do, I believe, is more important. I, I think you might agree a little bit. Just a, a little, little bit. bit. A little bit. Just a little and bit. so, slightly. Um, but we do have certainly competition for market share. And we do have, uh, sorry, in mind share in terms of people's attention span. Uh, because it is consumer-facing brands that are capturing all their attention through advertising, et cetera. And also, we have the same attachment to the value of a brand that a Coca-Cola would. 
a brand is a rallying cry for your employees. It is something for them to unite behind as a common purpose. A brand is something that the user, or in our case, the customer, uh, can feel proud of. And when that brand is attached to a municipality, to a location, to let's say the District of Columbia, there's a tremendous amount of local pride that comes from having good water that you can rely on, a utility that you're proud of uh, because the service is effective and it's doing what it needs to do for the customers. And the brand sort of encapsulates all of that. So back in 2010, uh, when I was working for George Hawkins for the second out of three times, uh, he had this idea that what we really needed to do was reconnect with the customer in DC. You know, it was a relationship that either was broken because of water quality issues or didn't exist because we had so many people moving into town who kind of didn't know the good work of the utility. And the way that we put that forward was through a rebranding. So we took DC WASA at the time, which was something that nobody really understood because it's not intuitive, and we made it DC Water. We didn't change the legal name of the entity, but we got the lowercase DC, the green, the environmental, the friendly, the water drop, uh, and we, we put it out there. And we put it out there everywhere. We put it on signs, we put it on uniforms and vehicles and tote bags and reusable water bottles. And we used the rebranding as an occasion to get in front of the customer. And it was something that they got. And we were starting to get stories like uh, how restaurants were featuring the fact that they were making their ingredients with local DC tap water as a selling point, which would have been unimaginable five years earlier. Right. Oh my That's gosh. Awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. So, and it was, it was fun, honestly. We had an in-house graphic designer named Ted Coyle, uh, who's still with DC Water and does amazing work and pulled together all the elements of the brand from a public art competition that we had. Uh, and we rolled it out kind of on the cheap using in-house resources and, and gradually replacing things as they wore out or needed to be replaced. And we put DC Water on the map both locally, but also, as you know, in the sector for having done that work. So now you have the ability, if you're a utility that wants to rebrand, to hire the same expertise that did the DC Water project back in 2010 through Blue Drop. We've done one rebranding project uh, for a small Northeast utility that's not quite ready to roll out, but is complete. Uh, and we're actively seeking other, other clients to do the same. And it's, you know, it's, it's probably the only team of people who has done a rebranding from the inside for a water utility that's available for hire. And I think that's a powerful statement. And I think it, it, is, it is something that we know how to do. And we also know how to socialize internally once it's done, which was an important piece for us. Because if you can imagine, with DC Wassa at the time getting negative news coverage almost on a daily basis in uh, small neighborhood publications like the Washington Post, uh, <laughs> for example, uh, what does it feel like to come to work at an organization where that is occurring? You have this new and shiny thing you can unveil and people are proud of it all of a sudden. It's very powerful. Uh, so we can help with the sort of the internal work that's necessary to do the socialization to rally people behind that. Can I get you to expand on that a little bit? Because that's something that Ariane and I are definitely um, are definitely very passionate about. And where you guys excelled at it, we actually failed at that because um, when we had this monumental moment for the city that we worked for, it was their 100-year celebration and birthday, and we were working really hard to create um, a celebration around it that we could bring the community into and the public into, but we wanted it also to be an opportunity for, to, to showcase our employees and to highlight them and what they were doing. And because that's also something that we're very passionate about. And 
where we, what we found was that when we asked them about it later, like in some cases at some of the events, some of the employees didn't show up and we were like, what's up? Why didn't you guys come? And, and the feedback that we got was, was like, well, this was just one more thing that we had to do. Like we just wanted to go home. Like they, it had never been communicated to them why we were doing all of this stuff that it was really to, for them and to shine that light back on them. And then when we told them that they were like, Oh, well, why didn't you tell us that? Because <laughs> we would have come. And so that was really a learning moment for Ariane and I that we were like, wow, you really have to start from within so that you can get that buy-in because they're, they're, your, um, they're the ones that are out there every day out on the streets with your, with your customers. They're the ones that are, your customers are most likely to see and engage with. And we learned the hard way that, you know, you have to communicate the why to them first. And then that way they will be bigger ambassadors for you moving forward. So I'd love for you, since you guys did it right, to share with us kind of how you did that internally to make that work. Yeah, I, I, I have to say it sounds a little bit like you answered your own question. but <laughs> No, but I want to hear you say it. All right. So uh, aside from the kind of the, the craving for new leadership uh, and the, the craving for some public recognition for what the job entails beyond these awful headlines that were coming almost on a daily basis, um, we, we kept it fairly quiet internally. Uh, we were concerned that it would leak. Uh, and given the amount of press surrounding then VC Wassa at the time, we knew it was going to be a big story when it did get out and we wanted to control it. So what we did was we actually took a small group of people, maybe seven or eight of them, if I recall, or maybe a dozen, and we shot a commercial announcing the new brand with them and kind of swore them to secrecy. And we went to all of the different major locations throughout DC the day before the unveiling. I think the unveiling was a Tuesday, so this would have been the Monday. We played the commercial. We announced the brand with George. We took questions. Uh, we sort of got the temperature of the room and got people excited. We may have handed out some water bottles, if I recall correctly, or maybe we did that the next day. And we invited them all to the unveiling, which was public and happening at one of our largest facilities the very next day. So involving them in the process was, was key, but we did more of it after the unveiling than we did before. And so one thing we got for example, just from memory, was we went to our sewer, sewer services group, which is not located with anybody else. They have their own campus and, and headquarters. And because it was DC Water, we got a couple of folks asking, well, what happened to sewer? Because the District of Columbia Water and Sewer Authority is the legal name of DC Water. Is there gonna be a DC sewer? Are you spinning us off? Are you forgetting about it? So it, it fell to George and to me and to the rest of the team to kind of explain, no, we're simplifying the expression of the brand because really everything we do is all about water. What you do in sewer is absolutely all about water. It's about cleaning the water and putting it back in the water. So we did that. And then it took a while to socialize with the uniforms because some people were kind of attached to the old logo having worked for us for decades and maybe the logo before that. Uh, we did some logo patch replacements on people's uniforms. Uh, and then we did a, a thorough and clean sweep, uh, which took a while. Uh, in terms of individual department uh, purchasing and use of the brand. We consolidated it all in my external affairs group and said, all right, the new stuff lives with us. You've got to use us to use the new stuff. And I remember when I joined the organization as a new director, uh, 
people were meeting me. They were excited. They were introducing. I was collecting business cards. There must have been 17 different styles of DC Wassa business cards, stemming from logo usage to ink colors to paper, because every department had its own printing contract, you know, et cetera. So we drastically scaled back the number of promotional items that the logo was being used on, the rationale being, A, it should be something that's actually useful to people if you're going to hand it out, but B, if it falls in the street, no one will question why you spent ratepayer money on it. Uh, we started doing uh, eco-friendly apparel, recycled uh, you know, textiles, made in the USA kind of stuff, uh, and we handed out thousands upon thousands upon thousands of reusable water bottles, starting with our own employees. And this is a story I love to tell uh, because it, it sort of got outside of my swim lane, but I took it on anyway. We, at the time of the rebranding, were actually selling bottled water in the vending machines at DC Water. Put that in your head and swirl it around for me. And so it was a challenge, first of all, because people like cold water when they're out doing stuff. And, and secondly, because there was an arrangement that we had with the vending company where there was a uh, like a rebate. So a certain amount of every purchase would go into a fund that they would then use for things like the office holiday party. So essentially, DC Water employees were being entertained by the sale of bottled water on campus. That's <laughs> wow. so, like a yeah. moral dilemma right there. Exactly. So I had a very forward-thinking facilities director who was a colleague at the time. He still is. And we partnered with him and with the water quality group, and we put in different kinds of filling stations all around the, the campus. The sort of thing you now see in an airport attached to a drinking fountain, where you fill up the bottle. It was kind of uncommon at the time, so we put a bunch of those in, and we gave bottles to anybody who would sign a pledge saying, I will not drink bottled water while I'm working at DC Water. Uh, and that, you know, that worked, uh, you know, because there was skepticism about water quality even internally, especially among folks who didn't work in that area. And so we got them out in the public kind of carrying their reusables. And that was a big step because they realized, even if I'm in finance, even if I'm in legal, even if I'm in sewer, we're in the water business. And for us, uh, as a combined water and wastewater utility, we realized that the tap water was the most direct emotional connection to the customer. So we, we chose to use that in our marketing as often as we possibly could. Yeah, that'd be like drinking Pepsi at that Coca-Cola yeah, facility. Exactly. <laughs> You'd be kicked out for that sort of thing. Ooh. Wow, man, those are fighting <laughs> words for some. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, especially for people treating it like, what's, what's he saying? What's wrong with my water? So that's, that's a great story. I love that bit of anecdotal evidence related to that. Um, sticking along the lines of branding, moving outside into, into the customer segment, what are your thoughts on water utilities? I mean, you're running, you're in charge of a consulting company that offers these services, but just outside of that, what are your thoughts on water utilities investing on cultivating their brand as a tool they can use to establish or to promote or create a higher perceived value of their product being water with their customers? Because kind of going back to your Coca-Cola example, one of the examples that we toss back and forth with our friend Tom Ferguson is about Nike, where people have no problem paying over $100 for a pair of Nike shoes that cost maybe like 20 bucks to make, but yet have a really significant problem with paying anything close to that for their water, which costs a considerable amount to treat and to keep safe and is constantly monitored. So how can branding help 
change that perceived value in your opinion? Uh, it's everything, honestly. And the good news is if you look around the water sector, there are tremendous examples of this being done well every day. Uh, KC Water, Louisville Pure Tab, San Francisco Water, New York. I mean, the list goes on and on, especially among the big cities. And the example you raised about the Nike shoes versus the water bill is a very tangible one because I think the answer there is people don't pay for what they don't understand or what they don't value. So it is the job of the utility through its brand, through its customer service, through its stakeholder engagement efforts to make the customer understand better. Because otherwise, people are faced with a situation where they're being asked to pay more and more every single year for something that isn't changing for them. They're getting the same stuff out of the tap, uh, at least we hope. Um, and uh, you know, the, the value proposition to them is not clear because they don't understand everything that goes into providing that service. I mean, if you think about our role as utilities is to provide millions of gallons every day of water that is treated to high federal drinking water standards everywhere, not just coming out of the sink, but every fire hydrant, every toilet, every garden hose, every car wash has to meet that standard. Uh, that is incredible. And what it takes to actually do that work is something that the three of us know extremely well and your listeners know extremely well. But it is a mistake to assume that you are the audience and you're not gonna know that as well as you do. And that's, that's our job, that's our opportunity. And, and I think it's a tremendous opportunity at this moment in time uh, because the amount of money that it takes to run a place like BC Water or any utility really is growing. And the only base of people we have to foot most, if not all of that bill are our customers. And affordability is becoming a real issue in many communities. And you could dedicate entire podcasts to the value of customer assistance programs and what they provide to people in need. That is incredibly important work. What it does is it also puts more pressure on the customers who can pay. Customers who can pay don't always want to pay. And they don't want to pay because they don't understand. So you have to help them understand. And that is what we do. That is the work that we do. And I believe that work has never been more important than it is right now. And so what's, what's cool about this, and I went to a conference in Chicago a couple of months ago, my hometown, full of utility communicators. And I asked them, I said, I, I did one of these little on-screen poll things during my presentation. I said, what percentage of your career, or how many years of your career have you spent working outside of the sector? And the overwhelming majority of this group of maybe 100 people of you know, former journalists and PR people They've all spent most of their careers outside. They have chosen to come in to do this work in this space at this time. And it's an incredible moment. There's never been a better moment for it. And so that's why I'm excited as a utility communicator myself to be able to kind of spread that knowledge and that awareness to other utilities through Blue Drops. Awesome. Yeah. Preach 100. Love it. <laughs> Slow clap. Yep. So let's talk uh, for a minute about uh, communication. We're seeing session upon session on the value of communication um, more as we you know, attend our water conferences. And the theory is there, but bringing it to practice is still something that many utilities are having a hard time pulling the trigger on. So how do we, not as consultants, but as like thought leaders in communication, help better convey that value of communication to utilities? That's exactly right. And I think, I think the shift maybe in the last 10 years uh, is that it has gotten easier to make the case 
the uh, you know the, the sort of the stereotypical image from from way back before is utilities run by somebody who's been in place for 30 years. It's an engineer, doesn't see the value of communication, wants to just do pipes and valves and you know whatever. The value of that customer connection, I think, has become obvious. It's not as hard to make the pitch that we ought to be investing in communication uh, as it was five or 10 years ago. The question is, how do we do it and how do we sort of get the ball rolling on it once the decision has been made? And you know what we specialize in at Blue Drop, and I think you've done some of this work as well, is what techniques and tricks can we leave behind from a big utility that has a big communication staff to a smaller utility that maybe has one or two people at the most. Uh, because it's, you know, it's the same stuff. A combined sewer overflow works the same way in every city where there is one, and I think that's more than 700 of them. So why should the one-person communications staff have to take on the burden of designing that graphic and explaining exactly how it works from gathering the input from the engineers? It's a, we've done all of that. We can leave that stuff behind and share it for somebody else to use. So the question is, how can we team up on things? How can we duplicate uh, the product and not duplicate the efforts? And I think that's where you start to see these workshops, these consulting service offerings, uh, these peer-to-peer -peer efforts that are happening through some of the associations are really, really terrific. Um, in terms of, you know, where do you find these people? Uh, almost every communications person I've worked with as a consultant through Blue Drop has come in from the outside. We're working with a lot of first-timers. First-timers either into a communications role because maybe they were doing community outreach or some sort of environmental activism before, or first time in the utility space, which is something I can relate to a lot because I spent all of my career outside of utilities before getting to BC Water in 2010. Yeah, yeah, we at Catalyst, we, we had a lot of that with people who were just first timers and just overwhelmed by not only the being new, but also just to the vast amount of information or or potential or programs or because you know you talk about water you got wastewater for a smaller city when I first started in a small city I was doing water wastewater environmental recycling like some of these people are just wearing an insane number of hats and so knowing that there's a growing community of communicators and educators in our industry that we can begin to lean on and work on things together and kind of do that open source knowledge kind of just open up our brains for each other and um, i really love i really love that you feel that that's the way that it's yeah. going because that's that's what we felt very strongly at catalyst in june and so i love that you know our our peeps across the country are also kind of feeling that same vibe occurring so that's that's awesome um kind of switching gears though because i could literally talk to you about marketing and communication for a few hours <laughs> um so dc water is known for a variety of things including some of the things that we've already discussed but one of them is definitely leadership and uh, dc water has an internal leadership program called leading blue so can you talk to us a little bit about that program and how that ties into this new coaching certification that you just received and how you're going to put that into work in Blue Drop? Absolutely. With pleasure. Um, so, <laughs> you know, leadership development is an ever-present need in every sector. Every sector needs it. And in the utility space, 
it's especially relevant now because a lot of folks have been working in this field for a very long time and are starting to retire. And you're seeing this next group of emerging leaders come up, either starting at entry-level positions and working their way up through, coming over from other sectors, but there's a lot of kind of youth and energy coming into the sector right now. And uh, everybody needs a little bit of help once in a while. And so what I've seen is uh, people who get promoted into leadership positions for the first time, and they're now leading their peers, uh, and it happens pretty quickly. They're not always as prepared as they can be. So the folks at DC Water, through our outstanding chief of staff, Mustafa Dozier, who was at the conference. Oh, yes. Yes. He was amazing. amazing. (laughs) Presentation skills, uh, the the, the brain on that guy, I I, I can't say enough. The outfit. Right. (laughs) He developed this program internally called Leading Blue to bring up the next generations of leaders at DC Water in cohorts uh, who are either starting in their leadership journey or sort of building. And part of that program is uh, they have an executive sponsor for every cohort, two of them. I'm one of them for the current cohort. And as I've been the sponsor for that cohort, I've also been going through a training program at Georgetown University to become a certified leadership coach. And I'm coaching four people in that program as part of my accreditation process coming out of Georgetown. So we are building a practice at Blue Drop of coaching utility leaders, starting with some of the leaders at DC Water and then looking outside as well. And the, the notion of coaching is, is, is fascinating to me, having used a coach in my career for, I believe, great benefit, in that it, it is a relationship of peers. It is not expert to patient or boss to employee or parent to child or any of those sorts of things. It's more like the idea is if you're the coaching client, you already have everything within yourself that you need to be successful. And my job as the coach is to unlock it. So we take the time, we make the space to have the conversations about whatever is holding you up or whatever you're aspiring to, but just can't quite get there. Uh, And it's, it's, it's very valuable. You have breakthroughs in some of these conversations that are just amazing. And a lot of it comes from just taking the space and time to, to kind of talk it out. If your day is filled with meetings uh, and interacting with people on your team and your bosses and your customers and emails and everything else, having an hour set aside just for you to talk about what's going on in your head about your career uh, is such a valuable thing. And we're finding that it's very valuable in the utility sector as well. So we call it unlocking the magic within. Uh, it's, it's, it's up there and it's, it's ready to go. That's amazing. Um, I love that you talked about really taking the time to just think. I feel like that's something that we don't, um, we talk our, I think we see the value in it, but we talk ourselves out of it when we look at the rest of our to-do list. We say, oh, well, I don't have time to think. I need to do all of these tasks. But when you just kind of take that time to just be, it, it's amazing what you can get stirring up in in the old noggin. So I really love that you brought up that um, that idea, and also that you guys are being proactive about um, educating the the incoming this this new mm-hmm. generation of leadership in the organization. Because I know one of the kind of talking points that Ariane uh, comes back to in, when we went to ACE in twenty seventeen was we heard a guy giving a presentation on leadership and how he said that, what is it, most people don't even get leadership training until they're in their 30s? Yeah, so it would be about 35 or maybe even 40 before they're really investing any time or or their utility is investing any time in in leadership programs into them. And so 
they've already been given a supervisor position, but no true leadership training. And, um, and that's kind of, it's a trickle down effect. So then you're, they're hiring these new people. They're not develop, developing them um, as they're coming in. And it's just this perpetual cycle. Yeah. And it's not fair for the person coming in because you're kind of starting a step behind. And so being judged on how you are as a leader or as a manager or supervisor, but yet having been given no training or, or insight or, or education into that is awesome. And, and the way that you describe coaching I've seen, and I think some of the blogs and posts that you guys have done, and I'm like, oh, that's so good. I want to steal it so bad. <laughs> it just nails it on the head, and it's such a great way to approach that of being like, I'm not going to come in here and tell you, act like I'm the expert and I know everything, that you already have this inside you. And so I really, I, mm -hmm. I did. It was really hard to be like, God, I want to take that. But uh, <laughs> so kudos beautiful. on that copywriting. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> um. So you have two full-time jobs, basically. I mean, I know you divide those up between DC Water and that you're primarily focused on Blue Drop right now. And um, obviously me and Ariane are jealous of that stable, that stable city job you got right now. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're still primarily tasked with the success of this startup that is Blue Drop, which is something that we both have in common. Outside of, you know, you have like the recognized name and all the fame and all of that. But so let's just, <laughs> let's just commiserate a little bit. I mean, chat about um, just the, the trials and tribulations of creating this startup that you're incredibly passionate about. It's been a journey. Uh, and I, you know, I think back to when I moved to Washington, D.C. back in 2000, because I was leaving my time as a television reporter in Illinois at the time. I'm helping some friends of mine uh, build out a web development company, which they had just started. Uh, and I was the, the COO and I was doing everything from phone lines to payroll and accounting and everything else. Uh, and I think about how really dumb I was back then compared to now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some of the lessons I learned back then about entrepreneurialism and startups and kind of being scrappy and thrifty have carried forward into what we're doing here. Uh, and they sort of, they brightened some of the time when I couldn't figure out how to get mail into the office and, you know, what's going on with the phone lines and the Wi-Fi and all that stuff. It seems like a really long time ago, but it wasn't because we've only been in existence for a couple of years. Um, but but it, it really was uh, everything that one could possibly do to get a business off the ground, uh, I did along with my earliest colleague, Gloria, who, uh, who was the vice president of Blue Drop at the time. Uh, and and we, we have learned the lessons. We are happy to share them. Uh, and, and talking to other people, uh, other friends of mine who have done startup work uh, more recently, just, you know, one of my friends called me up and said, all right, I want the list of tools that you guys are using uh, to sort of keep your lives in order. So I shared all of that with her. And it was a joy uh, because back in 2000, none of that stuff existed. We didn't have smartphones back then. Uh, it's gotten much easier to do this sort of thing. And I think um, there are businesses out there that cater to businesses like ours for good reason. And that's a, that's a great thing too. Yeah. So what you're saying is you want to be a part of Rogue Water's free mastermind group for entrepreneurs <laughs> in the water space. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I do remember myself just saying that. Absolutely. Okay. Those were words that came out of my mouth. We'll definitely talk about that offline then. No. Okay. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, and I was like, whenever you were talking about, yes, I sent my friend this great list of tools that we're using. I was writing down, email Alan about the list of tools. So um, yeah, I love that because we on our journeys have come across similar people just like us who are really passionate about this industry and who are making the incredible leap of faith to go out on their own and make this happen. So the irony of your statement about the room being full of people who came from outside to work inside the industry, there's also a lot of crazy ones like us who have actually made the reverse leap. And yeah. so I'm really excited to kind he of says, see. Yeah, y'all are crazy. He's like, yeah, y'all y'all are crazy. Um, but I'm really excited to see how those internally and those externally can work together to really drive this industry forward. Yep. We are the cornerstone of modern civilization as we know it in the water industry. The things that our people are doing out there every day are are incredible and there needs to be light shine on it and to have um, the value, the perceived value meet the real value and that's that's what we're all about. That's what we're here to do. So um, we have a few lightning round questions for you. But uh, before we get into that, I just want to thank you for sharing uh, your time with us and for being a water nerd with us today. <laughs> yeah, what a pleasure. I have to say if, uh, you know, if, if energy and enthusiasm and humor are what it takes to win the game, you're, you're going to blow the doors off of this industry with, with that work that you're doing down there. Well, we appreciate that. I wish we could find a way to bottle that and sell it. Yeah. It wouldn't be in a plastic bottle, but no, I would try to sell it if I could. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, okay. So what is your favorite book right now that you can recommend to everyone? Oh, I'm actually reading a book right at the moment that I just started, but it looks really good to start. Uh, mm -hmm. It's called That's What She Said, and it is a book about gender dynamics in the workplace written by, you know, a leader who's now a consultant and started as a reporter in the 80s. And it's this really hands-on, practical, also kind of funny guide to gender issues in the workplace and, and what's going on with this, you know, more than 50% in society, but so much fewer pretty much everywhere else in the economy situation, wow, uh, which yeah. has been very helpful for me to, uh, to, to read as a leader who at the moment has uh, an in-house staff of, of all women. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like a book that Arianne would write. So yeah, yeah I'm very intrigued yeah. by that book. Or Michael Scott from The Office. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. No, I don't want to be that guy. Um, okay. So what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? It drives my productivity. Mm -hmm. uh, I sit before anybody else gets up in my house for five minutes and just have a little little session of me meditation and breathing just, just to myself. It's my me time. And it gets me centered and focused before you know the coffee pot, before the laptop, before the morning run, any of that stuff. I, I just I have to have my me time. And it nice. gets me exactly where I need to be. I'm trying to discover that still. <laughs> You're very effective in your me time because my me time is an hour <laughs> because I like to sit down with my cup of coffee and read my little blogs and my book and so in my journal. So like you're very efficient five minutes. So maybe I'll get there one day. <laughs> I'm a nine year old who gets up early. So it's kind of a, a race. sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then our last question is what's one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe you can you believe that you can change the world. Can change I mean, the world. That that, okay, hold on. <laughs> okay, so let me give a, a little bit of context to that. So, um, yeah, and normally our, you ask the question. I'm sorry. And normally uh, in our episodes, we ask 
where a lot of times people think, oh, I, what, who cares if I change or not? I'm one person. It's not going to make an impact. It's not going to make a difference. And we, and she and I disagree. We think that one person's uh, change or, or action that they take can create a ripple effect that, that positive change. And I mean, negative too, but we're focusing on positive, positive, that when you do something, it can inspire someone else that sees you or knows you to do the same thing. And so we 100% believe that there, there can be one action that can ripple out and change the world. And so what's that one thing or that one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could change the world? I think it's having a conversation with somebody, anybody, about what motivates and inspires you in life. And that subject matter could be anything. Mm -hmm. I know for us it's water, but what is the importance of what you do and why does it get you fired up and out of bed in the morning and, and doing this sort of work that you do for a living or if you're retired, work that you just do anyway. Uh, but what brings you that, that personal inspiration uh, and why? And maybe it's a conversation you have with a stranger. Maybe you resist mm -hmm. to spend the bus ride on your phone and you just kind of look over at the person next to you, have a little chat. Because uh, there's always something that somebody can relate to in your story, but there's always something new as well. And I think it's that novelty uh, that brings the duplication of the idea throughout big groups of people. Yeah, I love that you're ending it with starting with why, because that's something that we love. And I want to sit next to you on a bus because that's going to be the <laughs> deepest conversation <laughs> I've probably had with any stranger in my life. Does anyone look at you like, what do you mean? Why? <laughs> I want to have like a little camera there the next time, the next time I come so I can Follow capture that. Yeah. yeah. And be like, I thought that was Arian and Stephanie back there. Yeah. But I love that you ended with why we appreciate it. We love all the stuff that, that you guys are doing out in Blue Drop. And um, they have a fantastic newsletter called the Blue Droplet that you can sign up for to um, at, you can sign up for that at bluedrop.co, correct? The newsletter? Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, we, were, we were toying around with a few ideas and the, the original name that I came up with was Blue Droppings, but my staff <laughs> Darn! Ooh, totally. I mean, that, goes with the that totally goes with the bloom. Yeah. Dang. So check them out. Bluedrop.co. You guys are on social media too. Go ahead and give a shout out. Let them know what, uh, where they can see you on that Twitter. Yes, at Bluedrop Co. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn, and uh, we're also happy to hear from you by email. There's a form on our website, uh, and. Happy to talk communications, consulting, stakeholder engagement, coaching, biosolids, anything you got. What a, what a group of communications to biosolids. I love it. Yes, I love it. From C to, yeah, everything else. <laughs> From the mouth to the butt. Yeah. <laughs> Both ends. Um, so, we'll okay. delete that. We should probably just... We hope you enjoyed the show. You can find the show notes at theh2duo.com slash water in real life, where we have all the resources mentioned in this episode and much more. We're incredibly passionate about being a resource for the industry, and we can only do that with your help. So show us some love by simply subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes so we can become the only duo run show about water. Get us a little bit of shelf space on that iTunes homepage. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore H2Duo. Be sure to give us a comment, feedback, shout out. We'd love to hear from you. 
We hope you learned something new, got a little inspired, and most importantly, took action on something today that will move you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.